0: Thanks for joining the Church at Nolansville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Good morning. Good to see you this week. Uh, man, what a week. Man, we've had um, tornado, coronavirus, and time change. And you're here. <laughs> that means you're one of the more spiritual people today so you must love Jesus a lot so if you hear look at your neighbor and say hey you love Jesus <laughs> We're glad you're here. If you're new, my name is Wade Owens. I'm the campus and teaching pastor here. We're so glad that you're here today. If you're a guest, man, we just wanna know you. Hope that you have a great experience today. We don't ask anything from you other than uh, that card in the seat back in front of you. If you take it at some point during the service, fill it out, give us your information. We promise you that we're not going to stop by your house unannounced. We're not gonna call you. We just, we just wanna know you. We just wanna check on your experience. So drop that in in the buckets on the way out. We're glad you're here. We're in week two of a series, and uh, I'll start by, by illustrating uh, the beginning like this. Um, I, I wear a wedding ring on my left hand. Those of you that have a uh, wedding ring on, let me see it. Wedding ring, yeah. So this is a gift from my wife I got on our wedding day, and I've worn it on my left hand now for 21 years, and it's both gold and silver. That way I can match anything I want, Right? And uh, Kim and I uh, love what Jesus is doing in our marriage, and we both come really from quite a bit of heartache and pain. If you didn't know this, my grandfather, he was in prison. My father was an alcoholic. My great-grandfather was an atheist. I come from about 100 years of pretty significant dysfunction and I can remember being about 12 years old, the very first time I remember going. Not when I get to decide what a family looks like. I'm going to choose something different. That I I want an absolute different legacy for my life. And so, this ring. And you know, I'm not, I'm not a real fan of jewelry. Shoes. I'm a fan of shoes. I got a lot of shoes. If you've been coming for a while, I love shoes. I also love coffee. Some people say I'm a coffee snob. I prefer coffee connoisseur. Thank you. Um, but jewelry, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of jewelry, but, but every time this will clink against you know a cup or I'll fidget with it, I, I, I remember. And you know what? It's just a ring. There's nothing like magical about it. It's just a ring. I mean, when I put it on, I don't turn invisible. It's just a ring. But, but every time um, I, 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 I notice the ring, I remember. I remember what Jesus has done in my life. I remember how God has transformed now three generations of Owenses, and how God is through our family creating a brand new legacy of faith, and He has broken chains of addiction, and He has transformed life after life after life. And so so I I remember, and I remember now it's my job to impart the greatness of God to, to my kids and to continue on to the next generation so that they'll become disciples who make disciples. And so So every time I fidget with it and every time my fingers swell and, you know, I have a hard time getting it off, I I remember that God has been at work in my life. You know, on occasion here we sing the song, Come Thy Fount, if you've ever heard it. And there's a line in there that says, hey, here I raise my Ebenezer. And that's kind of lost on us. We don't understand what that verse means, but Ebenezer was a stone. It was a stone of remembrance that people in the Old Testament would place. And every time they saw it and every time they walked by it, it would be a reminder of how faithful God had been and how good God had been and all of God's blessing and miracles. They would look at it and go, I remember. So so every time I, I look at this ring, I remember how Jesus has changed destinies. So it's, it's not just a ring for me. It's a reminder of what Christ has done. And I remember. And, and in this series, as we're looking at the last seven sayings of Jesus, what we're looking at is the last six hours when he hung on the cross. And he, during that time, made seven statements. And we want to remember what he said. We want to take note of what Jesus said. The last seven statements were significant. They were powerful. When someone's dying, you lean in, you listen to their final words. Now, Jesus, at one point, he's going to rise from the grave again. Hello, he's alive. And he's going to say many more things after he rises from the grave. But this is when God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, was on a cross was bleeding, was dying. And he's speaking, speaking to you this morning through his word. And so, and so we want to remember. And so starting last week, leading up to Easter, we're on Easter Sunday. We're going to look at the words. It is finished. We're just looking at the seven sayings of Jesus in this series. And last week we looked at the statement of Jesus father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. We talked about how 28% of Jesus' statements on the cross had to do with forgiveness. And I think it's because God knew, God knows that we struggle with forgiveness. And we talked last week about how we truly can be and feel forgiven. We talked about that. One of the struggles that people have that are not followers of Jesus, it's not that they don't believe in God, it's that they have a hard time believing that they really can be forgiven, that God can just wipe someone's slate clean, that they struggle with that. So we talked about, hey, how do you feel forgiven? But not only how do you feel forgiven, last week we talked about, hey, how do you then forgive others? Forgiveness is giving to others what God has given you. And we talked practically, hey, how do you forgive others in the little things? Just practically, how do you keep forgiveness alive in your life? But we also talked about, how do you forgive in the big things? Like when you've been cheated on, abused, mistreated, and you you carry some wounds and you carry some brokenness over that. So we talked about what it looks like to then forgive others. And if you weren't here last week, we podcast all of our sermons, or you can go to church at and, and catch up and follow along in this series. So That was last week, but, but today we're going to look at a spectacular interaction between Jesus and a criminal on his left and a criminal on his right. And and one of the criminals, as he interacts with Jesus, in his dying breath, the criminal, what he does is he hurls insults at Jesus and he rejects the only hope he has. And so you get to see that. But then you also get to see how Jesus responds to that man in that moment. But then we get to see the other criminal. And this criminal, in his encounter, with his dying breath, he just cries out for mercy. And you get to see how Jesus, in a moment, where this criminal cries out for mercy, you get to see how Jesus responds in that moment. And it's just an amazing paradoxical moment in history, one that we need to remember. And it's in Luke 23, starting in verse 32. And today I want us to stand in honor of reading God's word. And I tell you every week, hey, bring a Bible, bring a copy of God's word, bring something to write on, bring something to write with. I preach from the CSB version. If you want to get a copy of the scriptures to follow along with, but we're going to be in Luke 23 verses 32 through 43. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. And when they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. And the people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him and they came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription above him This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other one answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, that's Jesus, said to him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The criminal said, we're punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. God, today, may your word be alive. And speak to our hearts. Speak truth into our lives. Father, I pray that we would find ourselves in this story and that, that we wouldn't want to yell insults, but we would want to cry out for mercy. And knowing that when we do, you respond with today. Today you will be with me. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. And everybody said... So I want to dig into these two different encounters because the encounters are very, very different between one criminal and the other. And what I want to do is I want to begin with the criminal that was very bitter towards Jesus. So, so let's start here with this interaction. Then one of the criminals hanging there begin to what? What's the word? Yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself And us. This criminal, he's got nails in his wrists. He's got nails in his feet. He's bleeding. He's dying. And he looks at Jesus, and his response to Jesus is to yell. Insults, And that's a very strong Greek verb. It's the Greek verb blaspheme, which means blaspheme, which is another word for like throwing hatred or spewing hatred. He's railing against Jesus. I mean, this guy, you think about it, he's a few hours from death. He's perhaps moments from his life ending. And the only thing he can do is yell insults. And he doesn't just yell insults, but, but look at some of the things he says. He says, aren't you the Messiah. Now he he looks at him and say, Hey, are you supposed to be the savior? Aren't you supposed to be the chosen one? What are you doing on a cross next to me? This isn't a statement of faith by the criminal. Aren't you the Messiah? This isn't a statement of faith. This isn't him trusting in Jesus. This is sarcasm. Aren't you the Messiah? What are you doing here with us criminals? What are you doing being murdered on a cross if you're the chosen one? He's demeaning him, actually. He's yelling insult. He's, he's saying, listen, why, why don't you save us? Why can't you use your power in this moment? And this, this isn't him crying out for salvation. This isn't repentance. This is ridicule. He's saying, Jesus, do something about it if you're God. He looks at Jesus as someone perhaps he could just manipulate. Hey, if you really are, then do something. Maybe you can save us in this moment. He's not broken. He's not repentant. He, he's, he's ridiculing him. And what's interesting, not only his response, but Jesus's response is also Very interesting. Look look back at your Bibles and see how Jesus responds. What do you see Jesus saying to this man who just yelled insults to him and ridiculed him in this moment? What What does Jesus say? How would you have responded? Jesus doesn't say a word. We don't know his body language or his posture, but perhaps he didn't even look his way. Doesn't even acknowledge it. And what amazes me is this guy, if you think about it, he has no hope, he has no chance, he's moments from death, but if you think about it, this guy's won the lottery for crying out loud. He's crucified next to the guy who created the wood he's nailed to, and all he can do is yell insults. He understood that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, and anyone you would think that would be open to Jesus would be this guy at this moment in his life. But it's, it's shocking that this guy in this moment would choose to yell insults until you really understand other parts of the Bible that really give us insight into why this guy responds like this. Let me share with you 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But... It is the power of God to us who are being saved. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to those who are being saved. And this gives us a little insight into perhaps why this guy didn't cry out in faith, because the Bible teaches there are really only two kinds of people, only two. And the Bible says that you will either be one who responds with, hey, that's foolishness, or that it is the power of God. Two kind of people. When they hear the gospel, they respond in one of two kind of ways. When you hear that the gospel is, hey, there is a God who loves this world, even though it's broken and And destroyed by sin and people are separated from him. But God loved the world so much he sent his only son. That Jesus really is God in the flesh who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, was crucified, buried, but rose again for us. And when people hear that, they respond in one of two ways. Foolishness or, and that's the power of God. That's not foolishness, and I've shared the gospel with many people, young, old, black, white, all ages, and had people go, no, no, I don't think I get that. I don't believe that. And it just, it breaks my heart. But but I've shared with other people. I've shared about the truth of Jesus Christ, and they go, yes, yes, and amen. I felt it in my own heart and in my own life that something, when I hear about Jesus Christ still, 22 years in, when I hear it, something cries out, amen, that's true. I've been in worship services when other people are preaching here, whether it's Ben or Aaron or others who preach here. Man, I hear the message of Jesus. I'm like, amen. If I wasn't saved, I'd get saved today because that's true what that guy's preaching right now. We respond in in, in one of two ways. And we've seen the guy struggle you no, know, nah, I'm just going to ridicule. I'm going to yell insults. But but look at how the other criminal responds. Look what he says. He says, but the other criminal answered, rebuking him. That's the criminal who was yelling insults. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment. This, this criminal on the right begins to talk about you don't even fear. Fear God? This guy is also broken. He's also bloody. He's also near death. But his reaction begins to talk about fearing God. The condition of his heart is already transparent and very different from the other guy. He's going, hey man, don't you even fear God in this moment? And look, he goes on, verse 41. He says, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man, Jesus has done nothing wrong. He's like, hey, buddy, we're getting what we deserve. Hey, buddy, we're getting the punishment we deserve. You and I are guilty, but this man is innocent. We are sinners, but this man is not. We deserve punishment, but he doesn't. And then, and then look, look at what he says. Look at what he says next. Then he said, Jesus, I mean, could you, could you imagine this moment? A criminal Guilty, deserving punishment, sitting next to the Messiah, crucified. And these are his words. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I'm guilty, but you're not. I am a sinner, but you are not. Jesus, would you remember me, Not at all like the first criminal. This guy cries out for mercy. This guy cries out for forgiveness. And then Jesus is going to lift his head up and say a statement. One of the last seven statements that he says on the cross. And this is how he responds to this man. And he, that's Jesus, said to him, truly I tell you. What's the word? today?" You will be with me in paradise. The man confesses, I'm broken and I need you. He cries out for mercy. And how does Jesus respond? How does Jesus respond to a criminal who was guilty in the last moments of his life? And listen, you need to lean into this. Pay attention to this, because if there's any story in the Bible that would show you that your salvation has nothing to do with your works, but is simply by grace through faith, that is a gift of God so that no one can boast, it's this story. Because this guy hadn't done anything. He hadn't done a thing. He hadn't helped in kids' ministry. He hadn't rocked baby or changed diapers. He hadn't drove our shuttles. He didn't help with the host team. He didn't help you get seated. He didn't serve in our student ministry. He didn't serve in any way. He didn't help with next steps. He didn't help with discover us, discover you. He hadn't given a dime. He didn't get off the cross and go to church. He didn't text any amount of money to give to 623-623. He didn't do any of that. He didn't do a thing but be a sinner all of his life. And then realize that Jesus wasn't and he needed him. And in that moment, he cried out for mercy and he received it. Why? Because salvation has nothing to do with what you can or can't earn. And it has everything to do with the grace and mercy and power of God. And Jesus gave him salvation in that moment. He didn't say, okay, now learn how to be a disciple and show me that you mean it. He didn't say, let me me make sure your church attendance is good. He didn't say, "Let let me check your life group record. He said, you're crying out for mercy. You're saying you're a broken sinner and you need the Savior. You're crying out, yes, yes, yes. He simply cried out for forgiveness and he received it instantaneously why because this listen you can't out the cross of christ you can't and you may be thinking right now man well wait if you knew what was going on in my life or if you knew me listen if you knew me brother so many people say, man, if I walked inside the doors of a church, that church building would fall down, or if God woke up from his nap and saw me in a church service, man, lightning, bang, we'd all look around and go, ooh, sinner. Not pointing at you, sorry, just you know, looking over there. You can't out the cross of Christ. And some people enter into God's presence with trepidation, like he's going to light them up like he's an old codger with a lightning bolt ready to just zap you. He's a savior eager to extend mercy and grace. When a repentant heart says, I'm broken, but you're not. I'm guilty, but you're not. Would you save me? Jesus' response is yes. And when you look at these two criminals When you look, you see two very, very different responses. And see, the question isn't, am I like the two criminals? Because the Bible says we are all guilty. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. So the question is not, am I like the criminals? I am very much a criminal. You are very much a criminal. The question is, which criminal are you most like? When we hear the message of Jesus, the Bible says we really only respond in one of two ways. And so the question is, is it foolishness? Or is it the power of God? Is it foolishness? Or is it the power of God? And listen, if you're at this point and you're going, I don't know, man. It still feels like a little bit of foolishness. You need to know this is a safe place to work out the claims of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to try to talk you into something because someone else could just talk you out of it. But I am going to plead with you to say, consider Jesus. This is true. And and if you want to be known and you want to walk through the claims of Christ with us, just be known, take that card, fill it out. But I want to know more about following Jesus, turn it in. There are several people right now that we're just walking with and exploring the claims of Christ together. Be known. This is a safe place for you to say, I'm skeptical, I'm not sure. Talk to us about it. We want to talk to you. But, but if your heart is being stirred today, man, I, I, I think it's true. And I, I'm not sure I have it all figured out yet, but I, I believe it's true. Then cry out to Jesus. And just like he extended grace and mercy in a moment to the criminal, today you can belong to Jesus. So if it's foolishness and you're not ready, talk to us. If you are, respond today, Jesus, remember me. That's one option. The other option is that it's, it's the power of God. And if you have responded to Jesus and said, yes, it is the power of God in my life. And you've been transformed by Jesus and you're following Jesus. Then we want you to know there is more to following Jesus than just repenting, believing, and waiting for heaven. Because this follower of Jesus, the criminal, he went to heaven that day. But raise your hand if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not in heaven. Okay, it's really hard, easy to figure out, right? If you are not in heaven, then look right at me. You have a destiny and a purpose and a plan from God himself. And if the power of God has saved you, then the power of God is supposed to flow through you to be a difference maker. You have not been saved to be sidelined. You have been saved to be set free to know your purpose and make a difference in this world. If the power of God to save you has set you free, then the power of God should be flowing through you to make a difference in this world. That your salvation was never meant to terminate just on you. Because newsflash, this world isn't about you. So we've been saved for so much more than ourselves. And listen, we say yes and amen to individual conversion. Every week so far that we've been in this building, someone has given their life to Jesus. And we clap and we celebrate. We say yes and amen. We baptized 14 people already since we've been in this building. Yes and amen to people professing Christ. But it's not just supposed to stop there. The gift of the power of God to me is supposed to then flow through me to others. And so here's my prayer. My prayer is that those of you who would say, yes, it is the power of God for salvation in my life, that you would understand that you have been given a purpose and a mission and a destiny that so far exceeds your expectations and will transcend even your own ambitions. That you would link arms with us and go with us in the mission of Jesus Christ and making a difference in our world. God could set you free in so many different ways you can't even imagine when you begin to say, not only is it the power of God for me, but it should be the power of God through me. And I say this often, but but could it just be that you live where you live and work where you work and play where you play and shop where you shop because God, in his predetermined plan, put you there to be a witness of the gospel. Because the next thing that Jesus said almost in chapter 24, right after 23, after he resurrected, is he told his boys, he would come together. Now you're going to be my witnesses of these things. Go and share. Go and share what you've seen and done. And listen, Nolensville has seen our building. It's a pretty nice building, Amen. I mean, have you seen our bathrooms? They're nicer than some of the hotels I've stayed in. A really nice building. But, but a building doesn't make a difference in the world. And Nolensville has seen our building. But, but m- the prayer of my heart is that Nolensville wouldn't just see our building, but they would see your life. And they would see the power of God alive in you. And they would be far more attracted to the hope in your life and the power of God in your life and the message of Jesus on your lips. That they would be more attracted to that than they would ever be in any building we ever built. Because the church isn't the building. The church at Lachlan Springs this morning isn't able to meet in a building. But the church at Lachlan Springs is alive and meeting right now under a tent because the church is the people. Alive, transformed by the power of God in their life, and then going to make a difference in the world. And we want to equip you to be the kind of people that have the power of God alive in your life and to be missionaries right where you live, where you can go to the end of your driveway and know who lives around you, what's going on in their life, and how to bring the gospel into that moment. And listen, can, we, can we be honest for just a second with each other? Yes or no? Yes? Okay, this side over here, Will. I'll talk to y'all. Uh, Wilco is one of the wealthiest places in America. It's one of the wealthiest places on planet Earth. We're, we're in easily the top 4 to 5% income bracket on the planet. And if we're not careful, we will forget that there is urgent need all around us. Urgent need, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the tornado and what happened in, in Nashville this week, but we can actually, living in this area, begin to convince ourselves that the rest of the world looks like this when it doesn't. Twenty to 30,000 kids a day in our world will die of preventable diseases. It's twice the population of our town. That that inside Middle Tennessee, life expectancy is actually going down while addiction to opioids and everything else is on the rise. And thousands of people within walking distance of our campus don't even have the hope for another day. There are schools within 10 miles of here where kids, we know, they just, they don't have the same chance we have. They don't, there's urgent need around us. The reality is, did you know that there are more slaves alive on planet earth today than at other point in history? Right now, I'm just talking about physical needs and I'm not even getting to yet, the spiritual needs that are around us. That if you take a 10 mile radius around our campus, there's a minimum of 10,000 unchurched, de-churched, lost and searching people within a 10 mile radius of our church. Not to mention, globally, one out of four people have never, ever heard the gospel. There's over seven billion people approaching eight. Two billion of them have never even heard the gospel, not even once. And I don't mean because they didn't choose to go to church. What I mean is the church isn't even there. Their gospel's not even there. If they wanted to, they couldn't hear. One out of four. Look down your row. One out of four people on your row could live and die and never hear the gospel. And never even know that they could cry out to a savior and be saved. It's unacceptable. Unacceptable. If the church has been transformed by the power of God, then the power of God should be flowing through our lives to make a difference. Because God wants to reach out to more criminals and more broken and more hurting. He wants to be the father to the fatherless. Peace to those who don't have peace. Hope to those who don't have hope. Love to those who never experienced love. And he's given that mission to you and to me. And so if the cross is foolishness to you, talk to us. We're so glad you're here. We've been praying that you'd be here. But if it's the power of God in your life, how about you come go with us? I about you help make a difference in Nolensville to the nations. And we just want to give you an opportunity now to pray and to reflect. And so I'm going to invite you now to consider what Jesus is saying to you. Because the Bible says that the word of God doesn't return void. And so I'm just going to believe in faith that God is saying something to your heart. And I want to give you space to work that out with him. And really, I want you to center it in one of two things, foolishness or power of God. Let's pray for a minute. If you're unsure if the cross feels like foolishness, just be honest about it today. And know that there are people here that will love you, walk with you, take steps with you. So be known. Fill out a card. Turn it in. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just hang out. But if you're not a follower of Jesus and it has seemed like foolishness, but today something inside of you stirs and you, you know that you need to respond, then do that. Say what the criminal did. Say, Jesus, I I get what I deserve, but you don't get what you deserved. You You didn't deserve that. And would you remember me? Would you remember me? I'm a savior. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. Would you remember me? Do that. Fill out a card. Turn it in. Let us celebrate with you. That if you are a follower of Jesus and you believe it is the power of God, what can God do in and through your life so that the power of God didn't stop with you, but it flows through you? I'm gonna give you kind of the next 30 to 60 seconds and say, God, speak to me. Where can you use me? Where can I make a difference? We got a lot of ways you can plug in here, but let God speak to you. praise your name. We praise you, Savior, Messiah. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Pray our hearts would respond as we sing as you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.